Hello, welcome to the Water Justice Podcast. Join us as we share stories from various voices responding to water and social justice challenges across the globe. Your hosts, Tim Whiffen and myself, Kat Taylor, acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia on which this podcast has been produced, and we honour their connections to land, sea and community. Floods occupy much of the public consciousness at the moment. Not just in Australia, where towns are being evacuated, but torrential rain has also caused dangerous floods in New Zealand and Kentucky in recent months, just to name a couple. There are so many floods worldwide, you might not have heard that Pakistan has received monsoon flooding with a death toll well into the thousands this year. 2022 has seen droughts in the same country that turn around and receive flooding. These extremes are seen through La Nina, a natural weather event that demonstrates the destructive power of water through scarcity as much as in excess. The impact of these floods depends on how prepared communities are for these extreme weather shifts. While populations gather around rivers for sustenance, this also puts them at greater risk for flooding. As weather patterns are rapidly changing and we are unable to predict what is to come from what has come before, most infrastructure and agricultural practices are adapted to the previous climates and are not equipped for the new rain sequences. With flooding tragedies plaguing civilizations across the world, I'm wondering what people think of their flood risk and whether they consider the causes of the increase in flood frequency. To answer my questions, I've asked an expert of flood risk perception to join us on the Water Justice podcast. Aisha Yildiz is a lecturer in Disaster and Emergency Management at Coventry University, United Kingdom, specialising in disaster risk perception and preparedness. She has worked predominantly with children and young people in disaster risk reduction. Her research interest is risk communication, adaption principles to build community resilience and disaster education. Aisha has pioneered a unique area of research and I was excited to hear her insights. Thank you for joining me on the Water Justice Podcast, Aisha. We appreciate you making the time to discuss some important ideas, but I'd like to start if you could explain to me what your research has surrounded and I guess what your motivations were for starting your your path with your research. Thank you so much for inviting me today. So Turkey is a country prone to different kind of natural hazards due to its location, ground form and meteorological conditions. Thousands of lives and huge amounts of property are being lost due to these disasters. While there is a large body of research about earthquake hazards and risk in Turkey, little is known about flood hazards and risk. Therefore, my research aims to give more insight into flood risk and preparedness, especially from children's perspective. And I think it is quite important to work on flood risk perception because our world is heating up. And as a result, flood events are expected to increase. As most of us are aware, over the last decades, unfortunately, flood events have been one of the most widespread and costliest hazards. So we had to do something about this. And another reason there wasn't enough published research about children's flood is perception and preparedness to give us insight into what children think about this important topic. So I was quite excited to carry out this research and learn more from children. 
Sure. I, it's such an interesting, unique thing to, to, to come across. Your research focusing on children's perspectives. What is a bit of a complex issue? And so I, I guess what I want to know is what motivated the, the youth perspective. Is, was that something that you know, meant a lot to you or did you just feel it was underrepresented? So I just wanted to focus on children's perspective because children are a large and important proportion of the affected population in an emergency event. And climate change is expected to affect millions of children annually by natural disasters. Even though emergency plans see children as a vulnerable group, children can be a great source of change within the community they live in. And they can actively be part of flood risk management as long as a chance is given to them. For example, they can involve initiatives for flood preparedness in their communities, schools, or maybe in their homes. So this research has given children an opportunity and a voice to express themselves. This is also helping us to understand children's perspective better, which will then contribute to creating climate resilience communities. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, I suppose, because, you know, submitting this to, I guess, to an academic world, children, unfortunately, don't get to write into like academic journals or things like that. So did you notice that they were often left out of the the conversation in, in, in this context? I think children are often excluded from disaster risk reduction activities. They are the least listened members of society and are rarely given the opportunity to voice their concerns and experiences with disasters. The importance of children's participation is also highlighted in the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child in 1989. However, this is often less supported and unfortunately not yet fully realized. The value of children's knowledge, creativity and energy should be recognized and encouraged through their participation. Did anything kind of unexpected come out of the research? Was there something, I guess, that, that you learned that, you know, you might not have thought before that came from conversations you know, with people who are often, let's say, excluded? I learned a lot from children, especially when I asked them the reason behind their choices on the survey. They highlighted inadequate flood information, cultural beliefs, and surprisingly, some of them mentioned religious beliefs to explain their flood disperception and preparedness. Also, I was expecting children to talk more about the climate change issues related to their flood disperception. However, this wasn't the case in this research. And if I'm honest, I was a little bit surprised to not hear anything related with the climate change issues. Yes, climate change, obviously, we almost intuit now that it is a large contributing factor to natural disasters. How have the the lack of even uh, an understanding of climate change, how has that contributed to the perceived risks of natural disasters uh, for children? So on my research, I measure children's flood risk perception and how prepared they were for flood events. However, my expectation before I conducted this research to hear more about climate change as an underlying reason for their risk perception and for their flood preparedness wasn't the case. It is well known that climate change largely contributes to flooding. Understanding climate change and its impacts are the strongest predictors of flood risk perception. In this case, I think there is a gap in making children 
more aware of climate change, which is one of the complex, long-term and wide-ranging crises. This shouldn't be only driving by governments, organizations, businesses. It should be responsibility of the individuals as well by changing our behaviors and adapt it to climate change. And I think schools are the best place to start these changes. So that's why this is another important bit of why I focused on children. And updating children's school programs in terms of the impacts of climate change and flooding can be one of the approaches to creating more awareness so that children can be more aware of our planet's growing problems and they might come up with their own solutions. You're listening to the Water Justice Podcast. To stay up to date with the program and other content from the Water Justice Hub, you can follow the Hub on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook at Water Justice Hub. It raises an interesting question for me because with this increasing risk for floods, I would feel helpless if I didn't understand why the the risk was increasing. So did, did you find that there was a helplessness or like a like children felt sort of resigned to flood risk in your research at all? I describe myself a positive person. As long as we identify the issues and problems, there is always a solution. There are currently many researchers working on reducing the impacts of natural disasters as well as NGOs and governments. Recently, Turkish government started to implement more actions to make children and the public more aware of the impacts of the climate change. I believe in children. They have the power to make changes and they can also change their environment. Yeah, it sounds like just keeping them part of the conversation is important on not only the kind of risks um, which sounds like it, there was that was lacking, but also they have a lot to contribute for what the future looks like as well, and they have a place in in forming new perspectives. So, I, I guess having a, a youth focus immediately for me it makes me think about what the future might look like, and I think for for them to be informed is is only a good thing. In your opinion, uh, children misjudging risks or are they even just not aware of like are they not even thinking about them that's a very interesting question my research findings show that almost half of the children who participated in this study rated flood hazards as unlikely to affect them in the future this was interesting because the study area Gölcük is one of the cities in Turkey where flood events occur frequently We found that children's flood risk perception didn't change over the time, even though they experienced a flood event in the recent past. I think there are lots of reasons behind it. This might be because of their flood awareness, lack of flood information, risk beliefs, family factors, and so on. For example, in Turkey, most of the disaster education materials are based on earthquakes, and they do not mention much about flood risk management or climate change awareness. In terms of flood preparedness, they were mostly aware of the correct actions, which was amazing. However, there is still room to improve their knowledge. For example, a high percentage of them were still not aware of the danger of entering flood water. I can only imagine how I would be kind of kept up at night thinking about some of their reactions. What gives you hope 
out of conducting this research and having these interviews? What you know, what what brings you hope for next generations based based on those those conversations? I believe in children. They are a great source of change within the community, home, or school. If we can encourage them to involve in risk reduction and adaptation processes, we can create more resilience communities. This research was part of my longitudinal data collection and represented a small part of my data set. In my following data collection, when I interacted with children and when I showed them flood risk maps of their location, they were surprised and mentioned that they were not aware they were living in a flood risk area. After they became more aware of flood risk in their living environment, they changed how they perceived the importance of flood preparedness. They reported that they should do more and find creative solutions for their features. And that was amazing. That was amazing to observe and report. Mm. Can I ask, were you able to talk to any children that were like victims of kind of floods or, or were even indirectly affected but, but had an, an experience with some kind of a, or a negative, let's say, experience with a flood? Yeah. In this research, more than half of the children experienced the flood water directly. However, they didn't perceive floods as a real risk. Again, there might be many reasons behind this, but implementing flood awareness in school programs can be very helpful for both children and society. Mm. How do you see that being implemented in a school? Like, you, you know, you, I don't necessarily see schools you know, bringing in the TV in and showing, like, just absolutely horrific footage of floods. So I guess, uh, what would that de- look de- like? Uh, definitely. So we should be very careful about education materials. While we aim to create more awareness, we should avoid using any materials that are not appropriate for their level. For example, we can show them flood risk maps. We can use interactive teaching. Maybe we can play some games related to floods or climate change. Totally. I can see how research like this might even be a wake-up call in some sense to policy, not just in terms of educational policy, but we're not helpless in trying to change our flood risk. And so I think in some ways what you've uncovered pulls on the heartstrings, I think, of some people who have the, the power to make decisions to prevent terrible natural disasters that are a result of climate change. And I hope there will be more research in this field to carry out with the children as this is quite interesting and important topic to study as well. Was there anything that you wished I had asked? This is in some ways probably an interesting opportunity for you to talk about some research that you're you're passionate about. Was Is there something that, that you wish that I had asked you? You have covered it perfectly, but I just wanted to highlight that more research is needed in this field to understand child's behavior in natural disaster and give children more opportunities to talk. Well, Aisha, thank you very much for joining the Water Justice Podcast. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Aisha was such a joy to talk to, and it was fascinating hearing perspectives that are often ignored. If you're intrigued to find out more about how other countries are experiencing natural water disasters, you can follow Aisha's work through links in the episode description.
thank you for being part of the conversation on this episode of the Water Justice Podcast. If the ideas of this podcast inspire you, please subscribe and consider sharing. With your help, we can foreground water justice as an urgent policy issue. This podcast is executive produced by Quinton Grafton, the convener of the Water Justice Hub at the Crawford School of Public Policy, the Australian National University. The podcast is a platform for truth-telling and justice for all in relation to water. It's hosted by me, Kat Taylor, and Tim Whiffen, and is produced by Tim Whiffen of Whimsy Productions. Thank you to the guests for making this possible.